0: You're never going to fuck him, so why do you keep him waiting? He's not 30, he's 12. You're keeping him at 12. From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still Queer As Folk. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Today, we're talking about episode seven of Channel 4 is Queer As Folk, and it's called 30. First aired in the UK on 6 April 1999, and it was, of course, written by Russell T. Davies.
1: I only just now realized that you've been putting the dates in like the British format. Yeah, I started to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as so as a nod
1: to the UK series. Yes. <laughs> <We've> <laughs> Sir, you mock me? Episodes. <laughs> no, I'm like, how many, how many episodes have we been recording? And I just now noticed it. <laughs> it was episode eight or seven. I mean, well, like, when it
0: comes to Queer as Folk, we're like total. We're over like 90 episodes. So.
1: <laughs> Golly. 30 was directed by Sarah Harding, her third of four episodes of Queer as Folk. She also directed 50, that's five zero, episodes of Coronation Street. Here's the synopsis of 30.
0: Vince turns 30. <laughs> And Stuart throws a birthday (laughs) party for him, (laughs) apparently without much help from Cameron, who gives Vince a car for his birthday. Not to be outdone, Stuart gives Vince a much more
1: adorable Doctor Who canine robot. (laughs) This Doctor Who obsession is just funny to me. Uh, Stuart realizes that he's holding Vince back from being happy with Cameron and orchestrates an unforgivable act by inviting Rosalie to Vince's birthday party And then outing him, knowing that this will at least temporarily drive Vince away from him. And as Romeo and Lance's fake wedding date approaches, Lisa
0: tries to enlist Stuart in yet another unforgivable act of reporting the scam marriage to the home office. Not wanting to be (laughs) involved directly, Stuart tries to trick Nathan into doing the deed. But the teenager sees through Stuart's plan and calls him out on it before agreeing to take care of it. Called him out and then agreed to do it. That's a 15 year old (laughs) for you. Yep. <laughs> uh, so this episode was kind of interesting. Um, I tried to break it out into uh, A and B stories, but there's really kind of only one story. And so I thought that we could do this episode chronologically. Great. So we start out with uh, the party entry. How do I look? You look fine. I don't see why they couldn't use my place. His flux's huge. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that my house
1: is small.
0: What do you want? We were just passing by, thought we'd pick up those CDs. Yeah, well, you can't stay long, I'm busy.
1: Oh my
0: god! Cameron uh, isn't quite thrilled with Stuart's role in Vince's life, both in hosting the party or really having anything to do with them the the funny part about this story is that it's just so obvious that cameron is going down a no-win path against stewart but we're still rooting for cameron
1: right yes absolutely yeah he
0: can make the most cringy mistakes
1: but we're still on his side right because because stewart is somehow still just a bit more cringier (laughs) so like we're okay we're we we are much more willing to forgive Cameron for any missteps than than Stuart.
0: Yeah, especially if you're like gonna give somebody a car like after knowing them for this long. That's kind of cringy. But we're like, come on, Cameron,
1: pull it out. We can do it. We can do it. Get there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I like how I justified the fact that yes, he gave him a car, but it's like you know, it's secondhand. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like a fancy car, not like a Miata, like, right? Which <laughs> I think this, I think the secondhand Mini does not equate to the Miata that Doctor David Cameron pulled out.
0: That's from the U.S. show.
1: A little bit of a yes. deep cut there.
0: Can we talk about the dancing in this show real quick and how uh,
1: <laughs> great it was? <laughs> yes, let's. Maybe not so much dancing, but the music of this party slapped.
0: Uh, yeah, but uh, the dancing I thought was just atrocious. Like all the main characters are just terrible dancers. I'm starting to realize that we've seen Stuart try to dance uh, at Babylon. We've seen Vince trying to dance at Babylon. We see Nathan and Daz dancing at the party here. Again, it's hard to film dancing well because you usually don't have the music that is going to be playing. But it just kind of got me wondering if our characters are bad dancers on purpose. Sort of like an attempt to just show them as regular people?
1: Well, answer me this. Do we know if British people have rhythm? <laughs> hey, I've got rhythm. How about you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've got rhythm and well, melody. <laughs>
1: ah, Well, see, and that, that's the thing. Like,
0: uh, but you've never seen I, me dance, I, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> no, I have seen you stand um, at a bar. <laughs> and, and like glare at people? And glaring people, especially because, you know, in Chicago, uh, one of the bars here does a uh, an, an evening called Musical Mondays, where they play musical theater songs and videos uh, around the bar. Uh, so oh, yeah, <laughs> you've seen last, me there. Yeah. yeah, I've seen you there. That was, yeah, you got to hear me sing, I think, Agony from Into the Woods. Uh, <laughs> I think you sung everything. I think
0: you knew every single song well, that was being played.
1: Well, that too. Yes. <laughs>
0: Uh, so unrelated, uh, do you think that Daz is getting annoying or what?
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about Daz. It seems like he and Nathan sort of egg each other on and kind of bring out the worst in each other. And I feel like Daz, like Daz is sort of like necking at Nathan the whole evening. So I'm like, are they like having a casual thing? I think they're still doing it. I
0: think they're secretly they still doing it.
1: Okay. Cause I, yeah. Cause now they have this kind of like interest, like this. Little trio thing with Donna happening. Oh, I did not
0: like the way that Daz was insulting Donna the whole time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like they're making fun of her outfit. Which was
0: great, by the way. She was a butterfly. She had the wings and she had the pins. She looked cute. Yes.
1: Yes. She looked cute. She was serving it. They need to shut their mouths.
0: Oh god. Well, at first I liked Daz because he was the the gay guy on Nathan's gay spectrum of understanding that was at the opposite end from Stuart. Like Stuart's old gay. Mm-hmm. Daz is like young, wise gay. And I liked him at first and that first episode when they hooked up and then he says, Nathan, I'm not in love with you. It's okay. I really liked him then. But now it's like, Ugh. you're like so off-putting.
1: To quote one of my favorite animated series, being young, gay, and mean is not a personality. So <laughs> they really need to like get themselves in check. Cause I did. Yeah. I didn't appreciate the dissing Donna.
0: Well, that moment did serve a purpose though. It showed Nathan tilting more and more towards a new gay-centric life and away from the only life with Nathan that Donna has ever known. But I felt bad for Donna. It's it's as if she's starting to realize that she's losing her BFF to this other world that she's not a part of. And I I mourned for
1: Donna. Especially when it's like you don't have to choose She's clearly, like, going along with him and saying, like, yeah, let's go do this, let's go to that. I'll go to these bars with you, and I'll hang out with you, and I'll still be your friend. That's okay. But then Nathan finds somebody better, right? Um, I won't say better, but yeah.
0: (laughs) There's another scene at this party that I thought was really interesting. That's uh, Stuart and Vince with Alfred in the bedroom. Do
1: you remember in school? We used to talk about being 20.
0: All those plans we made, we were going to get flat and live together. yeah. Still could. You can move in here. We can get a house together, I'll pay. Don't know what Cameron would say. He's bought you a car. It's parked around the corner. He's gonna bring it round when we do the presents. It's just a mini,
1: 400 quid, but it's a car. That's a bit heavy. Do you know what I'd do? Run like the wind.
0: So tension starts building right away with uh, Lance and Romy needing to take pictures. Uh, But there were two kind of important moments for this scene. First, we see that Vince is starting to think that he's old. Alfred is zero. Vince is 30. They talk about when they were kids and dreamed of being a mere 20 years old. And I think there's some really good storytelling here because that 30th birthday is really a big gut punch for a lot of gay guys and it gets good fair treatment here. What's interesting is that Stewart suggests that he and Vince get a place together. And I felt that this was a bit more lip service than anything else though. But, He kind of seems serious about it.
1: I think I think anything Stewart talks about has some basis in truth. I don't think he he's ever fully talking out of his ass. Just partially. Just partially. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's probably about like probably like twenty percent truth to everything that he actually says. And I first thought is this just a move to continue the like power play that he's having with Cameron over Vince. Or is he trying to put something like this on the table?
0: Ah, that's my second part of this equation here, which is that Stuart gave away Cameron's gift of the car to Vince. This was a very critical moment in their friendship. I gotta admit that I'm on Stuart's side here because being given a car early on in the relationship is a big deal, like we were talking about. It's a clear transition between like casual dating and being a couple. Cameron has this agenda to capture Vince. And while it's probably good for Vince to get out from underneath Stuart's shadow. It's also kind of a bit dodgy about how Cameron is going about it. And plus, if Vince wants to pine after Stuart for years and years to come, who are we to get in the way of that, right? If that's what he wants to do, okay, best of luck.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm wondering if this has anything, like, the way Cameron is approaching his way of gaining Vince is because he is older. So has he accelerated this relationship because he's, he is older. He doesn't have as much time to waste as we know, like Vincent, like he started talking, like started dating Vincent before he was 30. Does that, does that come into play with it?
0: Yeah, maybe there's just like so many layers to this story that I'm like really into it. I, I like that. We're not just being force-fed all this stuff that is like very primitive. We're able to take a lot of different things away from it. And that's something that was sorely missing in the U.S. series. I, I wanted to talk about Hazel in the Piss Bucket real quick. Hey, reached
1: the reached diagnosis. is my grandish neuralgia and they want a 24-hour sample by Monday so they can test me. It's
0: piss. It's a bucket of his piss. <laughs> I don't want to linger on it, but... <laughs> but this scene was hilarious.
1: What? in an accountant.
0: Oi, do you mind?
1: He's nice. Nice? Imagine checking being nice. He's not a real boyfriend. You know Vince just shuts his eyes and thinks he's Stuart. Sad man. Ooh, fab, Nathan. We're dancing today.
0: Hazel, save us a cocktail. Sorry about that. Pass us that ladle. It's him. Dad. Nathan thinks he's so impressive. Drink's coming up. They're taking the piss. They can ask for my Bernie's. (laughs) Did you laugh out loud when uh, she started to uh, serve the contents of the bucket?
1: 100%. I did
0: too. (laughs) And then Hazel decides that as long as they're taking the piss out of her son, Vince, they deserve to have a taste of Bernie's piss and puts it in their
1: drinks. Uh, Golly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, hey, don't fuck. Like, I don't... Don't fuck with the mother. Exactly. The (laughs) hubris that they had of making those kind of comments in front of Vince's mother on his birthday when she has that kind of ammo ready. I mean, come on. And I also feel like this is a little bit of payback for the way they were treating Donna. So. Yeah, Donna loved it. Bottoms up. Yes, (laughs) bottoms up, boys.
0: Ugh. Real quick note about Romeo and Lance picture time here. Uh, We finally get the name of the other lesbian. The short hair one that we never quite knew who she was or what was going on. She's just around. Well, she's a lodger at their house. She stays there and her name is Siobhan. Oh. She's taking group pictures so that Lance and Romy have some proof that they are really into each other.
1: I mean, no offense, but if you lot come to the registry office and someone from the home office turns up, it's all going to look a bit gay, isn't it? Last thing we need. Siobhan, load another move change.
0: And I had a question about this for you, Matt. Go on. This never occurred to me, but is Lance gay or straight? That shirt tells me gay. Exactly. But I don't think so. I I mm. he doesn't seem part of that scene. Well, neither is Cameron. <laughs> well, that's true. But Cameron's out. Cameron's an out and proud accountant, right? He's giving he's giving cars to people, so. There's that.
1: Lance acted bitchy enough towards Stuart in that, like, first meeting. And then I'm like, mmm, it's a little too much sass. <laughs> well, that could
0: be, like, gay on gay tension, though. When one alpha gay sees another alpha gay, there's, like, a fight for dominance.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Like, our point is, though, we there's a possibility that Lance is gay, too.
0: Yeah, I I just don't know I'm, I'm curious about this because as this story plays out it becomes less and less likely that he's gay but let's, let's keep that in mind as, as we okay. encounter Lance every time and let's see if we can suss this one out <laughs> uh, so Janice Maloney Nathan's mother arrives at the party Janice don't stand there come in no uh, I would have called in the day but I didn't want to spoil a surprise come and have a drink I suppose Nathan's in there you won't mind He wouldn't want me turning up. That's to say thanks for looking after him. Not long till his birthday. 16. He'll be able to live anywhere. I'm going to find him then. And I thought it was cute that she came to give Vince a gift. And I really like how Vince is nice to Nathan's mother. He's being human. He's not really giving her a hard time or anything like that. He he genuinely cares.
1: And that's that's refreshing. Yeah, because he he's his tension has nothing to do with her. His tension has to do with Nathan. Well, like it, and even then it's like not a much tension left really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. So I like the fact that Janice is still somehow part of everything, while still for reasons I can't figure out, respecting Nathan's boundaries. This is so queer as spoke. Stick around, got more to come.
0: He's giving Vince their presents, and uh, in a nice little bow-wrapped box are a couple of car keys. I thought it was really great that Vince used the same—oh my god! Bow surprise
1: yeah. <laughs> when he got it. <laughs> the, 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 I do. I know we kind of glossed over, it, but yeah, that was one of my favorite things. The way this episode began is that you know Vince knows that there's a surprise party, and he's just trying out all these different oh my gods. <laughs> I just love that. So then it's like. It sets up what comes later, which is he now, he like, uh, Stuart told Vince that he's getting this car. So to have him play out one of these more fake oh my gods in front of Cameron, who knows he was doing these earlier, it's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, Cameron, <laughs> yeah, Cameron
0: then, understood that Stuart told Vince oh, what he yeah. was giving him. Uh, so then uh, it's Stuart's turn to give a present. And it's a remote-controlled Doctor Who canine robot dog.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Which was really cool. I wouldn't mind having one of those roaming around. Obviously the best gift for a real Doctor Who fan like Vince. So we end up with two presents to compare and contrast here. First, Cameron gives Vince something that he never really wanted in the first place, but is practical and useful. Stuart gives Vince something very specific to Vince. And something that really only Stuart would know how important it would be to Vince, even though it's not at all practical and useful and probably cost more than many did. So I liked having these two different versions of gifts.
1: Yeah, it tells us the two perspectives that Vince is now finding himself caught in the middle. You know, that's something that we've always been told about Cameron, the fact that he has, he has the job, he has the house, he has the car, like he has everything, he has his shit together. And Stuart is very much about the flash and the partying and the, you know, the more extravagance and, and that's reflected even in the gifts that they're giving each other, that they've given uh, Vince.
0: This sparks a conflict between Cameron and Stuart.
1: You're never going to fuck him, so why do you keep him waiting?
0: He's not 30, he's 12. You're keeping him at 12. Nice subtle staging here as Cameron switches from Coke to beer. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. I don't know about this, though. Vince is pretty much a willing prisoner of Stewart's, but I do yes. like seeing him evolve as a person. It's inevitable that everyone's going to evolve. It's just a question of when they want to evolve. And so, again, I, I, I wonder if that's what Vince wants. Who are we to say, no, you should not be... Uh, also wrapped up and Stuart uh, at the expense of other people.
1: Yeah, there needs to be this sort of balance. Because let's be honest, Stuart has been in Vince's life since they were 14. Mm-hmm. So like half, half of his life. Cameron's been around for some months. You're going to have to find a give and take and understand that this situation may just have to come as a package.
0: Yeah, at least for a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So then uh, things get serious when Rosalie arrives and, oh my God, I feel so bad for this girl uh, at first. And then I got a little pissed off at her. But yeah, we find out that Stuart invited her to the party and Vince immediately uh, tried to exit her. (laughs) Let's go get a curry. (laughs) But Stewart just outs him right then and there.
1: Here she is, Rosalie. Have you met Cameron? Come and say hello. Cameron! This is Cameron. Cameron is Vince's boyfriend. Been together for ages. Cameron says Vince shags like a rabbit. He's bought him a car. He's the perfect boyfriend. They're practically married. It's so rude. (laughs) Because, because, yeah, she, I understand her being angry and that, yeah, she's become the butt of a joke in front of all these people that she doesn't know. And then realize she still has to face Vince at work. Like Stewart is able to sort of be like, yeah, look what I did. And he can wash his hands of it because he doesn't have to face the reality of it every day.
0: I did like how Rosalie kind of went on autopilot then. At first, she's kind of staying in the party. She goes in the bedroom. She's going to take her coat off. And then she there's a baby. And at that point, I'd forgotten that Alfred was still there. As did everybody else. Right. <laughs> Including the parents. And then Vince uh, comes clean. All those times you said girlfriend. Just sit with your mates. You and the boys. Just sit and laugh at me because I'm such a big joke. That girl at work, she fancies me. She's so funny because she's so stupid.
1: I'm really sorry. I should have said. You're just a liar, Vince. And you're a Puff. You're a dirty little puff.
0: The funny thing about Rosalie is that from what little we know about her, it seems like she would be just fine with Vince being gay. Sure, she was into him at first, but doesn't she seem like she could be a great friend?
1: Yeah. Like she doesn't, she never seemed like a catty coworker the way I think the other coworkers have been played off. Right. At least the you know the, the limited time that we spent with them, uh, and she seems like she's very she could be open, she could be a confidant. Like y- you always need a work wife or a work husband. Yeah, <laughs> and she could have been. That. She would have been perfect, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but she uh, changes her mind, then she's gonna leave and. I love that when she was leaving, she took her wine with her. She brought a bottle of wine to the party and she, <laughs> she picked it up and like took it out of the bag and was walking out the door with it. girl needs a drink. Yeah.
1: She's saving her. <laughs> yeah. She's saving herself a trip. So like, yeah, take, yeah. They take it.
0: I had another question for you about, uh, this scene. So you remember when Rosalie was leaving and Vince chases after her, why did Cameron try to stop Vince from rushing after Rosalie
1: Perhaps Cameron wanted to prevent Vince from further embarrassing the girl. Maybe that's what it is. At this point, like what kind of damage control could you really do?
0: Well, Cameron didn't even exactly know what had gone on in the bedroom, though, too, because it was just those two and Alfred in the bedroom.
1: Alfred holds all the secrets now. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's me speculating that, you know, trying to maybe keep the the spirit of the party up. Like it's still Vince's birthday, even though this thing is happening. Like, can you how can you keep it from not going further into?
0: Shit yeah, I so? wonder if there was just something that was cut out of the scene that we missed. And oh by the way, I have uh, 50 minutes of deleted scenes from series one. So <laughs> after we finish up series one, we might have to. Evaluate all those. Time to go back.
1: Yes. A <laughs> uh, fair
0: comment, though, from Rosalie about thinking that she was the butt of jokes. But wow, she really went all the way, calling Vince a dirty little puff. Uh,
1: and I, d- I didn't expect that. Uh, and I don't know if that was just said out of hurt, or if that's something that she believes. Because yeah she not only did she call on that she also continued to qualify i think she just described him as dirty and it's like wow okay. yeah she didn't like, hold we, back we, we get yeah like we, we we get that this was a shitty night for you but it's like oh rosalie we liked you we were <laughs> we're we on were your side for you. we were all rooting for you
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you let us down
1: <laughs> oh it was a shame
0: uh, well, it's enough uh, for Vince to leave. So uh, Vince and Cameron are gathering up his presents, except for the robot. He leaves with Cameron, who takes a few digs at Stuart along the way. What the fuck was that for? She's just a kid. Just leave it. Leave it. We're going. Let's just go. What does he do at work? Christ, but you're such a bastard. That's it. We're going. I, I guess that ended the party, but I wish yeah. we could have seen that. It should have been like, party's over because of this. We're all
1: leaving, right? Did everybody
0: get as angry as Vince, or
1: did everybody just keep partying? I mean, I think as long as the liquor was still there, I didn't see any point in shutting it down. (laughs) It seems like there was a little more to the story that
0: we didn't get because this is a 30-minute episode. I kind of wish that we could have seen what happened to the party, because like in the—I hate to say it in the U.S. version—it shut down the party— and everybody left, and everybody took a swipe at Brian on the way out. Uh, So Hazel arrives the next morning. Uh, She's there to collect all the presents that Vince had left behind when he bolted. Hazel's scene here was outstanding. Soon as I saw you, I thought, clever little bastard. That's right. Everyone have a go at me. I said clever. Did it on purpose, didn't you? That's one hell of a push you gave him. Can't do things on the quiet, can you? Has to be a spectacle. Couldn't you just told him to sod off?
1: Like he'd listen.
0: Hazel, he'd follow me around forever. Yeah. Cameron's alright. He's good for him. Cameron won't last. He might. He won't. Still, leaves room for the next Cameron. If you said anything? None of my business. He's trying to make sense of it, poor sod. But if you want it to make sense, then you have to see Vince as important. And he's never going to manage that, is he? I love how she's pretty much all-knowing. She has wisdom from experience and she knows Stuart and she knows Vince all too well. There's something in this scene, though, that I wasn't sure about was if Stuart was really giving Vince a push for his own good or if it was more self-serving for Stuart.
1: I think Hazel's read of the situation is that it was more self-serving i mean that's why she describes what it was like when he first kind of came into their lives and she knew he would be the troublemaker he would, he would be the one that ruffles everything for events mm. so i can see i can see her point of view and reading that it's his actions while he can claim were to help fence was nothing more than was nothing more than the opposite.
0: I kind of want to save all my comparisons to a U.S. to the U.S. show for a, a special Still vote compare and contrast. But uh, something about this scene that I just wanted to call out is how it really blew away all those Debbie and Brian moments in the U.S. version. Granted, I like those U.S. moments, but it, it almost seemed like Sharon Glass really needed to muster every single bit of her talents and powers to make the scenes work. Here it was just effortless between Aidan Gillen and Denise Black. There was just something better about this scene. It was more believable. The characters were playing off of each other better. They weren't trying so hard.
1: Well, and I think that's also because I think this the UK version does a much better job from the beginning of humanizing Stewart. And not making him the uber gay that we've described Brian to be. Um, So yeah, everything then plays off at a more human level. So we're able to see like, yeah, I think that's also a strength of the writing I think the writing is so uh, incredibly crisp Mm -hmm. uh, in the UK version.
0: Another moment that I thought would have been hilarious in this scene, like the post-party scene is after Hazel left, uh, Stuart's just kind of walking around his trashed flat all by himself and (laughs) <laughs> Finds a passed out drunk Nathan under a pile of rubbish or something. <laughs> I just thought that would have been yeah. hilarious, <laughs> like next to the bucket of piss or something
1: like that. Right. And, well, and and Daz would have had to have been there too. Uh,
0: yeah, I I thought there was a a really good moment for humor there.
1: <laughs> Alas.
0: <laughs> so uh, the next day, Lisa calls up Stuart and enlists his help to rat out Lance and Romy's fake marriage first six months we went out, she wrote to me all the time. She still writes to me now. Like it's some sort of record. The thoughts of Romy Sullivan. Lesbian letters. But they make the Home Office see things in a very different light. Here's the address. It's a Mrs. Lake. She's in charge of Lance's visa application. Hold on. Why do I have to send them? This could only have come from inside the house. You send them? You're in and out of that house all the time. And of course, you're a malicious bastard. We could send them anonymously. They still come from inside the house. Someone's got to take the blame. Romy's going to be furious. She'll never forgive you. But she's got a very good solicitor to remind her that she can't deny the father access. So it all becomes my fault. So I thought this was kind of interesting. Lisa was playing on Stuart's clear dislike of Lance and clear dislike of the situation of a fake marriage, immediately I was thinking, wow, Lisa, you are like quite the schemer here to... Like, first of all, steal your partner's letters and then give them to somebody who's going to give them to the home office, who's going to deport
1: the guy that you're trying to help. And also, I mean, she, okay, we have to break a lot of this down. So wouldn't Romy also get in trouble because she is a party to the fraud?
0: Well, that was part of what she was telling Stuart is that nothing's in her name. She's just kind of a visitor. She has been paying her part of the mortgage all along, but she's not on any of the papers or anything like that so she kind of has like a little bit of a firewall between her and the illegal act
1: oh i'm talking i'm talking about Romy as being the one that lance is going to marry
0: oh yeah good point (laughs) yeah she probably would have gone to jail
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes so 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 lisa's willing to possibly put Romy up on the on the chopping block here that's a
0: very good point i didn't think about that (laughs)
1: <laughs> because yeah like when because as she's as lisa's describing yeah she says that you know she, lance is like fully moved in he's in their bedroom all of his stuff is there they he's been added to the deeds of the houses and things they own it's like yeah the, y'all are kind of setting up a, a, a conspiracy yeah they're right both now. gonna go to jail <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is like you really do need to kind of think about like are you willing to game the system and hope that you don't get caught? Cause who knows what kind of uh, repercussions there would be if they go like, Oh, we know you're doing this is what you're doing is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, Elisa is the, is, you know, she does practice. She is the solicitor. So I guess she would know a way to mm, circumvent. Yeah. I hope so, but I, I don't know. <laughs> She'd probably go down too, or She did.
0: Would at least yeah. lose her law license. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, later in the day, Nathan does a cute check-in with Stuart.
1: Yeah? It's me. I was just passing. Nathan, fuck off. They've been round all day. Vincent, Cameron. They've been calling you all sorts. I just thought, I mean, are you all right? Stuart?
0: Fuck off. Nice move, uh, but Stuart doesn't fall for it. Then he realizes that he can trick Nathan into sending the letters so that it would look like Nathan was the bad guy instead. And then I love this uh, this quick change that Stuart did. Uh, first of all, he traps Nathan in the elevator. <laughs> then he rushes back in to change into what apparently he thinks are his sexy clothes, which is takes off his pants and puts on a shiny shirt. And I forgot that shiny shirts were kind of a thing in the late '90s. Oh yeah. And then props himself it. up onto one of the, the lounge chairs for Nathan to make come sure in. The bulge. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure the
1: bulge is on full view. <laughs>
0: yeah. And there is a moment here where Nathan is briefing Stewart on what Vincent Cameron have been saying about Stewart, and Nathan was defending him, and Stewart retorts that Nathan shouldn't think that he knows Stuart at all. Cameron
1: thinks so you're mad, like really mad. I said you don't even know him. And Vince said you'd be laughing. I told him. I said, that's not fair. He's not like that. Nathan,
0: you're just a little boy. Don't fucking think you know me. But what I found interesting is that at some point, Nathan really did figure out Stuart. And we're starting to see that Nathan is capable of manipulating Stuart just as much as Stuart's capable of manipulating Nathan. And I like this emergent quality of Nathan.
1: <laughs> He's picked up quick yeah, on how to do this. Quick study.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Stuart and Nathan are in bed. We don't see it, but we can assume that Stuart took Nathan to bed. All of a sudden, they're just in bed rolling around with each other. Very hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nathan, of course, wanting to be of use to Stuart, offers to send the letters in. But then he realizes that Stuart would never ask him to do it. Instead, would trick him into it. Because even if you wanted me to, you'd never ask. Yeah, you'd never ask.
1: You'd get me to do it. But not by asking. Look at you.
0: All you had to do was ask.
1: Because you're mad you are. You never say. Do you want me to take the letters? Ask me, go on, ask me. I'm not bothered, okay?
0: There's also this ridiculously hot shot of Charlie Hunnam's torso, like right in the middle of all this that completely distracted me from the rest of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nathan shows here that he's, he's got Stuart's number and then he actually falls for Stuart's game though and takes the letters anyway I thought that was that was interesting especially because this scene led off with uh, them playing ping pong and so I thought that metaphor was was really accurate this is a great scene of the two dancing around each other and in the end neither of them really get exactly what they wanted from each other but they get enough always having to have the last word Stuart just traps Nathan in the elevator and goes back into his flat.
1: <laughs> it walks away. it just <laughs> walks away
0: <laughs> I did enjoy that Okay. Tops and bottoms. What was your top for this episode?
1: So my top, I, and there's a couple of things I want to talk about it. Uh, Tom is basically the birthday party. I thought it was so much fun. <laughs> I know like <laughs> the, between the bad dancing and Alexander being the, the DJ, uh, and he was playing some hits because the music of that party yeah, from like the seventies, <laughs> uh hold on hold on okay yes they played sos by abba but they and and never can say goodbye but they also played finally by cc penison which is like the top like house dance song ever and uh i also love the fact that alexander (laughs) did a very bad drag performance very bad the lady (laughs) to the lady is a vamp by the spice girls uh which i really really enjoyed so yeah that birthday party was was uh i would have loved to have gone
0: I love that you picked out the the Spice Girls number there. Um, listeners, if you're curious, uh, Matt is a huge Spice Girls fan, and I am a huge Formula One racing fan. One of the team principals in Formula One married one of the Spice Girls. And so Matt and I have this weird blending of worlds where he's into Spice Girls, I'm into car racing, but the two are connected.
1: Yeah, Jerry married well. She really did. Christian Horner. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very funny because when they were doing their tour uh, in um, in Great Britain last year, uh, of which I was very fortunate to get to go and you see. You were part of the tour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to see part of the tour. It was really wonderful. Um, they, they were showing them going to the first venue, and uh, I think they were in Ireland for their first performances. Uh, and... <laughs> You could tell that Jerry has done well for herself because she arrived in her private jet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was Christian in the, the jet too? Uh,
1: no, at least not in the photo shoot that she was doing on
0: Instagram. So. I remember seeing something where a helicopter landed and picked them both up. To Maybe that's for the Olympics when they got back together for the Olympics or something like that. But I remember yeah, Christian getting into the into the helicopter being second fiddle. And I'm, of course, accustomed to seeing Christian Horner being... Uh, the center of attention, not the backup.
1: Oh, yeah, he was definitely second fiddle too. <laughs> and, and you know what? And you know what the best part was? They did perform The Lady is a Vamp at the concert. So, <laughs>
0: uh, so my top of the episode was uh, the Hazel and Stewart scene. Uh, Aiden Gillen and Denise Black made this scene just effortlessly believable, and it really summed up the entire episode into that one little neat bow for us that that scene told us everything that we needed to know coming out of this 31 minutes. And I really like the way that that scene played out. What was your bottom for the episode? I,
1: it's not really a bottom for me uh, in the episode. I mean, I think if I had to like struggle to find one, I would probably say that this plot they have against Lance to get him deported, um, has some holes in it. (laughs) But like even then, Lance, like there's something about him that makes the whole situation feel shady. So I understand them saying uh, we should probably do what we can to get out of this with as little blood on our hands as possible. So like maybe that's that. My bottom was, uh, and this might have been just
0: a bit of a stumble in the teleplay, but it, it was Cameron trying to stop Vince from running after Rosalie. It just really stuck out like a sore thumb for me. And I'm not sure what that was there for, but I don't know is that it needed to be there. This has been episode seven of series one and it was called 30 next time on still queer as folk, the final episode of series one, Vince is petrified that Rosalie has revealed his secret. Stuart experiences rejection for the first time. Really looking forward to that. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: Cameron declares his love for Vince. That will be the last episode of series (laughs) one and it's called punchline. Don't worry. We'll be covering the short two episode series two as well. Thanks for listening. You can find our U.S. series of Still Queer as Folk, all 83 episodes at stillqueersfolk.com and on all of your favorite podcast apps. Until next time, I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queer's Folk is a production of Slightly Unbalanced. Matt Dominguez wrote and performed the show with me tonight. Still Queer as Folk was made with love in Chicago.